This is Simon Transparently Awakening the heart of humanity As we see beyond the lies And open our eyes to realize This is our time to rise So welcome to another Simon Transparently Today I am with what I am very happy to say A friend and someone who many of you know If you've been following my conversations Over the last seven years um, Charles was one of the early uh, uh, conversations I had way back in 2012. So I've I was thinking today, Charles, actually that it's been nearly almost a decade, almost a decade. And I watched one of our previous videos, um, one when I actually recorded you when I first got to see you in the flesh in the church in London doing one of your talks on the revolution of the gift economy. And I was thinking. We definitely looked a bit younger back then, Charles. You know, this decade we've we've aged. So welcome, Charles, to uh, to another conversation. Yeah, that seems to be happening, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but I think we're aging. I like to think of us aging like a, a beautiful mulled wine. Yeah, we get better. We get better over the years. That's uh, that's how I like to perceive it. <laughs> so, yeah, I always get kind of. A little nervous and uh, super excited. I think you know this by now when I'm about to converse with you. And prior to conversing with you, I always uh, just like to uh, enjoy and absorb some of your. Um, I mean, I do that all the time, but recently I've enjoyed absorbing some of your content because there's so much of it out there. And for many people listening, you can, you know, just search Charles on YouTube and dive into many of his podcasts and so on. But it struck me something that really come up, Charles. And as you know, with our conversations, I really want to invite today, if you want to bring something in, please bring it in for this community, because this community talk today is welcoming you. But I just read your recent article on community and how you weaved community into kind of the economic structures that we're moving through right now and just where we are as a species right as we as we're sort of navigating through this kind of crazy last year and so i'd like to kick us off around that topic of community purely because we are here today in community and you and i have both kind of moved to an online community space to try and nurture more authenticity connection and to explore how we can share our gifts so i don't know what pops up for you from that but um yeah, what comes up when, when I invite this? I, I've hesitated to call my online community a community. Uh, we, we host me, meaning, we meaning me and my uh, beautiful former wife, Patsy, uh, an online community of, of maybe three or 4,000 people. Um, and I, I'm not sure to call it community because for me, community really means uh, a group of people that are tied together by gratitude and by um, uh, shared experiences and by stories that that you have multiple dimensions of a relationship with one person. Like you might, with that person, you might have a direct relationship. Um, maybe they make or do something for you. You have um, a relationship of, of words, you talk to them, and you have third parties who know both of you who you talk about each other with, and you're you're part of this whole web, and when, and because each person occupies a unique place in that web, if something happens to them, 
or if you can't get along with them, like that disturbs life. And you can't just cut them out by blocking this caller. And life goes on completely as before. If we were in a hunter-gatherer tribe or a medieval village, like you have to get along somehow with the blacksmith or with like everybody has like everybody is taking care of each other in a way by giving their gifts to the community and receiving from the community. And, and so that kind of connectedness and beyond human community uh, the, with, with you know, to the ecological community, that kind of connectedness is um, something that we're missing. Most we, meaning anyone in a modern money economy, and especially at the time of COVID, where what society considers important is risk minimization and death prevention, which actually means death postponement. Um, that's what is, is, is at the forefront of our collective decision making right now. What's going to minimize the number of deaths, number of infections, and so forth. And, and as far as like all the values that society upholds, the value of touch, togetherness, gathering, singing together, dancing together, um, being together in place, sociality, all of that is not a very high priority. And so this, this unmet need that was already unmet well before COVID, right? Uh, it's intensifying now. And I think that, sorry if I'm going on too long, but I think- You're, you're never going, no, carry on. Okay, like a lot of the, there's like an explosion in mental illness right now. Right. That, that you know, suicide and depression and emergency psych ward um, visits, like, uh, and those are just the tip of an iceberg of uh, a lot of distress, a lot of misery, a lot of despair, a lot of depression that probably most people on this call have experienced, I know I have, uh, in the last year, going through um, some pretty intense times mm. where outwardly everything's fine. Like my quantifiable needs are all met. Right. But, but I'm hungry for something. So if, I don't know what's, how it's been for you, Simon, but, but it's been pretty rough for people because of the cutoff from relationship. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Wow. So first of all, thank you. Yeah, I want to talk to that. And uh, yeah, I want us to dive into that. And I'm so glad you bring in the current crises, because I think that's really, really where a lot of people are not getting the opportunity at, to actually talk about. And I think that community in community. So so just for distinction, I, I appreciate what you said about the difference in community. So what I'm envisioning with this community that I'm co-creating on Mighty Networks is exactly what you said, a place for shared experience, story sharing, the practicing gift, sharing our resources and so on. So yeah, so this idea that I'm trying, Charles, is to really bring in that authentic connection and interaction and this shared experience where we can get to know each other. 
um, and I kind of dived in the, the, the deep end and then realized exactly what you just said is if, if we just start coming in and we're just all showing up and there's no real um, shared experience and ability to connect and get to know each other a little bit more personally, a little bit more intimately, then actually community can't, can't happen. Yeah, because it's a bit like, you know, you could say, oh, Facebook is a community, but look at the beast. You know, you could say Instagram's a community, but look at the beast. So it's like I'm, I'm, I'm wanting more uh, um, intimacy. Yeah, it's just the best word for me. Into me, I see this, this real where we really meet each other, where we get to meet each other. And that's, I feel, um, something I've learned a lot from you is kind of this isn't a new idea of living in this way it's an ancient idea you know living in the gift sharing our uh, resources sharing each other as you said being in um, close proximity with the blacksmith or the baker or and so on you know we kind of have lost that intimacy so that's one thing i just want to speak to and i want to dive in with you with what you just said is that it's for me in my reality it's been amazing this uh, kind of a lot hasn't changed in essence but I felt the brunt and definitely the ripple effect of the what we're witnessing right now on the on the on the global community, you could say, the global stage, and um, it's kind of horrifying. It's uh, you know it's a lot of uh, a lot of suffering and a lot of pain and a lot of conflict and everything we've seen in the past year. Um, and I'm glad you brought this up because I was going to basically ask you when I follow what you've been sharing about being in between stories and with this potential transition transitioning out of a story of separation which this kind of feels for me the heightened example of what you've pointed to for so many years that I've been following your work like is this just a necessary part of the transition into into being is this a call for us to really you know, dive into what it means to support each other, to come together in community. It's an opportunity to do so. Uh, it's like, it's not a guarantee that it'll happen. I don't think that this crisis or any crisis is going to rescue us from ourselves. But when we're shown in stark detail, in stark relief, where we've been headed and and what it's like then we have an opportunity to choose it or to choose another direction like you, you, you it's, it's hard to make a choice when you don't know what you're choosing yes. so we're being shown here is what the world will be like if we continue to live in separation if we continue to uphold a view of progress that equates to greater and greater control and domination of the rest of the world. So in this case, you know, after 9-11, it was this paradigm of, of progress through control and domination. It was the surveillance state, you know, it was border walls, it was homeland security, it was it was full spectrum dominance uh, where we can drone anybody to death anywhere on the earth if we suspect them of being a terrorist, like that was uh, and the erosion of civil liberties, you know, we have to monitor and surveil everybody to stay safe. That was progress after 9-11. And now we have kind of the same um, paradigm applied to, to the physical body and the war on germs and this fortress mentality. 
Right. So we're being shown here's what life will be like, and and asked the question, like I'm not saying that distancing, masks, and lockdowns don't work. Okay, I think that there's a lot of question there. Like, but I'm not. That's not the point I'm making. I'm saying, let's say that they work. If it will keep you, say, one percent safer, two percent safer. And let's start just by talking about you selfishly, okay? If it keeps you one or two percent safer, are you willing to spend the rest of your life never in never having another group hug, or never um, going to a performance, or never singing in a choir, or going to a dance with strangers, uh, or even more than six people, or more than ten people, or whatever the number is? Yeah. Are you willing? You know the answer to that, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and then like you expand that as to social policy, you know, right. as a society, are we willing to sacrifice all of those things for the rest of our lives? Mm. Um, if it means that we're that much safer and, and I, I'm not like, I think that people could authentically have different answers to that question, but that's the question. And if it were not one or two percent safer, if it were fifty percent safer, if half the population were dying of bubonic plague, okay, that would be a different situation. So, so anyway, this is so we're being we're not being rescued from the trajectory toward more and more separation. We're being asked, "Do you want that?" We're being thrust into a moment of choice, and that's what an initiation is about. Right. You're faced with a choice that you were not aware of before. And that choice, would you agree that that isn't a new choice? Because when I, you know, 10 years ago, and, you know, much of what I've heard you talk about, this has been a choice that's been kind of maybe not so in your face, you know, way before this. Would you would you would you agree on that? Yeah, but for most people, it's been an unconscious choice. It's just been like, this is the way that things are. You know, right. and this is progress. It was it was not um, questioned that much in the mainstream, and maybe it's still not being questioned that much. But it's it's potentially a wake up call. Yeah. And like you know, this question of is it going to change everything? Like I think that depends on us. Right. Yeah. And we're, the choice. Helpless. Yeah. Right. And the choices that we now make with the facts that we have, but then we have, and I'm just going to play here a kind of devil's advocate or bringing in certain uh, narratives that I've heard. So even this move, because I want to keep the thread of community, even this move into making a choice right now, where do I want to live? Who do I want to be with? Um, if I had to stay somewhere for the next 10 or 15 years, you know, can I grow my own food? Can I go back into the local way of being right there's this been this sense um, i heard i don't know if it was you or somebody else i listened to some years ago i think it was the founder of zeitgeist as well peter joseph that spoke about the uh, culture in decline and he's very much spoke that you know if we don't uh, kind of self-organize and move into these uh, smaller fractal communities and start to like really come back to the soil come back to what it means to be in community which he had a vision that they would start popping up all over. And I kind of see that now. I'm seeing this more than ever. People are self-organizing, but it's just not necessarily, you know, uh, in the 
in the mainstream that this is an option because we're so um, I kind kind of addict, addicted or dependent on the current dominant culture, right? Or that's how I interpret it. And so, um, yeah, I, I guess I'd love you to speak to, because that choice that you're talking about requires a death. It requires a death to a lot of belief systems that we've built up around how to live. Like, for example, if, for example, this vaccination passport comes in and all these other limitations come in, we know that other options will pop up. There's always like alternative options, but it kind of feels like a huge divide happening right now. It's like, you know, you, you're getting a choice. You want to go down this real technocratic age and, and follow this and be like you described the drones and monitored and so on. Or do we want to go back into land, into, into growing our own vegetables and, and kind of living with a, a smaller uh, unit of beings? That's what's coming up for me. I'm sure you've pondered that. For me, the, the question isn't so much, uh, how do I live in the best possible circumstances where all my needs are met? Uh, unless I expand that to include my need to contribute something meaningful to the world, according to my particular set of gifts. So, there are, it depends on what your gifts are and what impassions you. Uh, and it could be that like a small land-based community is uh, a perfect vehicle to express your gifts. And, you know, for me, um, I don't know. Um, up until last year, I felt pretty, pretty good about what I did, uh, which involved a lot of travel, a lot of speaking, you know, a lot of, of, meeting people where they were at, literally and figuratively. And, um, you know, now that's not really available as an option. So I'm, I'm um, you know, do I just kind of retire to an eco village somewhere? I mean, I need to, to I need to, to express myself in the world. That's more important than surviving, for sure. Like a lot of this stuff, you know, to go back to the land and become self-sufficient. So what? Like. So you, then you're self-sufficient until you die. Maybe it's a little later than if you didn't have your own food supply. Like, that's not why you're here. You're not here to survive until death. In fact, when you know why you're here, that becomes more important than staying alive. And usually, of course, you want to stay alive so you can continue to do your work. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you reach a moment where, where you might choose to do something more risky. Uh, and more uncomfortable because it's what the world needs and it's what's called forth from you. And, and your need is to do that. So really, I mean, this all comes down to the question, what is a human being for? What are you for personally? And in general, what's a human being for? And what are we for? And what is a human being? I mean, this is, I keep coming back to this in all of my work. And, and as we grow into the understanding that we're here to serve life and beauty on earth, and that what we are is a totality of relationships, then everything changes. And, and decisions become a lot clearer where I'm meant to be. It's what serves it's what serves my service. Thank you for that. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful inquiry. And 
And one I've asked myself many times, it's like, you know, what's my purpose? Why am I here? Who am I? And <clears throat> what are my gifts? And, and what comes up for me is you're speaking. It's just, it's, it's just that really, it's like, it seems that, have we got to this point because we haven't asked that question enough? Enough people haven't asked that question because when I think about life, beauty, sacredness, the gift that, you know, you've spoken about so eloquently for so long, like, I kind of have a vision that so much of reality as I perceive it would not exist, could not exist from a foundation of deeply loving the sacredness of life, deeply loving this phenomenal, mysterious, intelligent vessel that, that I am. And then, and then having that reverence and that respect and that integrity and transparency and love for life and all this whole, you know, all of it, right? And it, and it feels that what I witness, and I kind of sometimes think, think I'm in a Star Wars movie, Charles. It's like, is this just Darth Vader, like taking over, you know, and like, we're like, you know, the light and the dark and all this films that we've been told for so many years of like, it's constantly this light, dark, light, dark, you know, fight the light. And, and it's like, sometimes I feel like we're just locked in this crazy movie. And this last year is almost, um, put a HD Technicolor glare on that uh, that movie. And almost to the point where sometimes some of the things that have been happening, I'm like, is that actually happened? Like that wasn't a movie, that actually happened, right? It's happening now, it's not a movie. You know, the things that are being shared with me and what I'm witnessing, I'm like, this is, this is happening in my lifetime, yep, this is it. And I kind of step back from that and, you know, with, with the likes of yourself, Darpan and many other uh, uh, beings that I listen to, and like try to take this broader perspective of the, the, the greater organism that's unfolding and that this is a necessary part of the transition into something far greater than what we've been. But then I sometimes get caught up in what is happening and like, no, we just, we just, we don't have that perspective. That's not a collective perspective. <laughs> Does that make yeah. sense? <laughs> yeah. And, and then like that can lead to despair, feeling of, of being the victim of everybody else's ignorance, everybody else's blindness, everybody else's this and that, and I'm powerless. And then you start to realize that that whole state of being is part of that whole matrix. Right. Exactly, it feeds it. Yeah. Yes. And it's not so dark. Like, by, by, like yes, you can take in the full extent of the darkness, of the horror. Uh, and it's important to take that in. Like, other, if you don't take all of that in, then any optimism that you have will feel inauthentic because you're, you know, you're shutting out the true nature, the true magnitude of the crisis, of the situation. But you also have to take in the miraculous possibilities and the power that we have that is far beyond what the rational mind understands, far beyond the power to push a mass with our own force and make things happen. We can be part of a creative process that's much bigger than ourselves. And when we bow into service to that process, then 
like miracles start happening around us. Right. Including the miracle that is necessary for this world to heal. Mm. Like we are too far gone for any practical healing plan to work. We're, we're not at that stage right now. We're at the stage where we need miracles. And, and miracles, I am I, very specific what I mean by a miracle. It's something that is impossible from an old story and possible from a new one. Mm. And therefore, when we experience one, it's like the light coming in through the crack in the shell of the universe, showing us that, that there is something beyond that universe. Mm. And, and that's why a miracle that comes into your life is so impactful if you accept it, if you take it in. And that's why I'm saying we have to take it all in, the darkness and the light, so that we're operating with a full deck. Right. That we're in reality. Like those happenings in your life of synchronicity, of, of uh, you know, uh, psychedelic insights, you know, of, of uh, healing miracles, of miracles of forgiveness and generosity, the things that, that you can't believe it's true almost, mm. yet it's happening. Like you have to take those in fully and they can't believe it's true what that feeling means. That's like the, the bewilderment of reality dissolving into a bigger reality. Mm. And I can't believe it. You, well, you have to believe it. You have to accept the gift of these happenings. And why do I say it's a gift? Because you didn't make it happen. Mm. That's why it's called a miracle. You didn't make it happen. You couldn't have planned it. You couldn't have forced it. Yet it happened. And that communicates, wow, we live in a generous universe. And what I thought was hopeless is not hopeless. Yeah, it's like it's like a whole reframe. Well, it's kind of a, yeah, it's a reframe, but without I love how you've described this without having the the kind of perspective of it all, because this is often what happens as well. We get so caught up in a limited perspective, but without having that sort of bigger perspective of the whole, there's no way of actually potentially seeing the miracles that you're talking about or seeing the synchronistic moments or seeing the interconnectedness of everything meaning that even when it seems like it's complete terror or there's a you know dire crises you know opportunity can emerge stars are born isn't there's an old saying isn't there? there's a kind of a old uh, meme from that's lasted for years you know in great crises uh, um in times of crisis great stars are born for example right there's this idea that there's great opportunity right now but that's hard to see charles when as you just described at the beginning we see the suicide rate we see our brothers and sisters in dire we get the kind of you know we get the doom and gloom dystopian narrative just you know pummeled and also i don't know if this is your experience but fear has a has a tendency to be much more dense and and almost enticing and um inviting isn't it i know we touched on this in one of our last conversations like how drama and fear is kind of like Mm, this is sometimes much more juicier to, um, you know, to to get addicted to than than the potential of, you know, acceptance, forgiveness for some reason. I don't know if if that's relevant to what you're pointing through, but it feels like to to drop into that. Uh, that greater understanding and awareness. Requires. Uh, a heightened yeah it actually it requires a heightened awareness to have that understanding all right beautiful beings out there 
We have a, a who would like to pop on and ask a wonderful question. It can be related to what we've just been sharing. Of course, it would be lovely if something's popped up for you. Anything, anything that just feels alive right now. And, and you don't even know why you would ask me this question. All right. What's happening for me right now? Uh, searching for land and the opportunity to create community here. I'm realizing actually that there is a strong call in my heart to go back to Europe to make sure that that happens back there because if I am not there to allow for those who need a space to reconcile and to hold space together against all of the turmoil that is happening around them, I'm just giving up on holding this space and just going for just selfishly being surrounded by amazing nature and abundance without actually being there. And my question is, I didn't like, I, I love the approach into uh, taking every possible side to the situation. But I, I feel like when we talk into these terms of this is going to actually happen, there are going to be nano machines in our, in our veins and there is going to be completely complete surveillance from, from the corporate go uh, governance. And I somehow I, there is like the child in me is just screaming because it's like we are allowing it by just thinking it. It, but we are just allowing it already before it's happening. And yeah, um, I wonder what you think about that, if, if it's clear um, what my doubt is, like mm -hmm. staying here, going back, allowing this to flow, uh, holding resistance yeah. with mm -hmm. the heart, with the body, however I can. Yeah, so, okay, so. Thank you. You, you could make all kinds of practical and moral arguments why you should go back and, or why you should stay. <laughs> you could make the argument, well, if I, like you said, like, well, if I stay, I'm just, you know, doing this and I'm not doing that. Like, that's, that would be a moral argument. Like, I'm a good person if I go back to Europe or I'm a bad person if I, like, you can make, you can get yourself in a, in a maze that way. You can get lost in those moral and practical calculations, which means in my mind that we've got to rely on something else to navigate this world. And it comes down to me to self-trust, which is kind of a new muscle to exercise, to trust my feelings. Because the story that rules the modern world is that your spiritual progress or your progress to be an ethical person requires overcoming your true nature. Economics says that you are a maximizer of rational self-interest. Um, biology, Darwinian biology says the same thing. So you have to, and the, the idea that, that spirit is separate from matter means that you have to kind of rise above the flesh. So all of this programming makes it hard to really, for me at least, hard to listen and trust my feelings. But what I would say to you is you already know what you want to do. You have uh, a secret desire mm. and to trust that. 
mm. without any justification. Like, you can do whatever you want. You can go back to Europe and do whatever delights you. And the more deeply that you trust that, uh, the better the results will be, not just for yourself, but for the world. Like, you don't have to go... Like, being a, a, a good person does not mean fighting that. It actually means trusting that. And you're like, well, but if I just trusted what I want to do, then, you know, I'd, you know, sit around and, you know, drink beer all day or something like that. But you wouldn't. Like, a lot of that addictive behavior, and I'm speaking again for myself here, is a way of postponing and procrastinating what I actually want to do. Like in the midst of it, I, I know I'm like, I don't really want to be doing this. Mm. So what do you really want to do? Like try that. Try doing like following your deepest impulses and desires um, and trusting them and see like surrender to them. Where does that take you? And, and that is a bit of a practice because as soon as you go there, the first question is, oh, well, what do I really want to do? What really feels good? Like, what's this treasure, this treasure in my soul that, that I'm seeking? The gold at the end of the rainbow. There's, there's, and, and that, that, that path, uh, you know, it starts with when you can identify something. Like sometimes you have this moment where you just know what you're meant to do. And I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it is going back to Europe. I don't know. Um, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, you don't need to justify it uh, or have reasons for it. Yeah. Thank you so much. You have a very kind heart, you know. You have a very kind heart. And I think all of us would be very happy if you trusted your own kindness more. Beautiful. Okay. Thank you, Nico. All right. So first of all, we're going to have Rosalie asked me to come on. Rosalie, do you want to unmute? Hello. <laughs> Hi, Charles. Nice to meet you. Um, all right, so I would like to ask something that's been alive in me for quite some years. And I now heard you, Simon, speaking of, um, I'm probably not able to reproduce your words exactly, but about the difficulties, seeing, uh, seeing difficulties with our brothers and sisters and like pain and depression or something in the lines of this you said, right? Do, like right before now. Yeah. And so I don't have such a problem with people actually traveling through darker or more difficult times and even um, when they choose or when death comes upon some bodies, I guess. Um, and I've always felt in some ways a, li a little bit like um, I cannot speak that out so much. I cannot voice that so loud because people will uh, fall over me and be like, what, what the fuck are you talking about? Like I guided my grandmother to her death and I was the only one talking with her about what would actually happen. And the other, the family was like, yeah, it's too painful. We'll not talk about that. And I was like going straight through this, you know, and, and this was amazing to be in that space with her and 
Um, so basically a very simple question or sim <laughs> to, to simplify it down, I would like to have your perspective, Charles, on this and on, on death and this transition and yeah. Wonderful. I think maybe you catch my drift and please yeah. feel free to ask me a question if it's not clear. But... Yeah, I think I, I think I, I catch your drift. Um, and yeah, you're definitely um, wise not to shout from the rooftop, rooftops that death isn't so bad, you know, it's okay if some people die, you know, like there's more important things and like you got to be very careful uh, how those words are received. Mm -hmm. Words don't mean something objectively. Words mean something in relationship. So if, if you're speaking to a certain person in a certain state of consciousness, then those words are not medicine words. What's more important is when you occupy the knowledge and embody it, when you occupy the knowledge that there's something more important than your separate self and how long you live, then you become brave and you become happy. And others receive the transmission of that information, whether or not you're telling them uh, what you're thinking. Mm. You'll you'll know your 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 presence and your words, whatever those words are, as when you're in this reality, they will also bring others toward that reality. And. and yeah, I mean, I understand this. This, for me, it's sometimes almost a compulsion to like, you know, shake somebody and like, hey, you know, don't don't be so afraid. Like, it's okay. Um, the universe is generous. Life is good. The default state of existence is bliss. Like, like, there's like this urgency. This this. Um, it comes down to to not fully trusting another person's process to come to that in their good time. Mm. Yeah, it's it's about patience. Can I add something to that? Yeah. yeah. I like that you say it's about patience because what I'm feeling is that I'm sitting on a golden egg and there's incredible wisdom or wisdom like truth, I guess. Sounds nicer like in this and also when i saw it with this process of my grandmother it was like full jesus christ energy that i was in speaking at her grave uh, or speaking at the service and then people passing me by and kissing my hands and crying with me and it was so and i really felt like okay and you mentioned before also like the need to express or that it's important no and so i feel in some ways like i i'm there's this goal that i got to touch upon just by following the process with my grandmother. I didn't try anything or it just happened like this. But then it's like, mm, how can I, well, how can I share this? I don't know. How was it shared with you? How did it come to you? How did the gold come to you? <laughs> yeah, it just happened. I just felt it and I followed. I created a lot of space and silence so I could follow in the her process, whatever was happening, the impulses that came to me and like to act upon mm -hmm. it was like one big, almost, I want to say almost like a, a, a shared meditation. It didn't come because somebody told you about it. Sorry? 
It didn't come because somebody told you about it? Not really. No. It didn't. Somebody told me, you're doing great. Just trust whatever's happening. Yeah. So the way it came to you <laughs> was through silence, presence. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So that's how you bring it to others. You hold it and invite them into it. And it's not that you never speak, but you don't have to describe it. The words make them feel comfortable, make them feel peaceful, make them feel loved. You have to bring it to others in the way that it came to you. Lovely, lovely, beautiful. I'm gonna drop. I'm gonna drop you there because I want to bring a couple more in before Charles goes. But thank you so much. I'm just gonna say one more thing. Like I could see it in your face, Rosalie. Like you are. I can see that golden egg. Like you are yeah. carrying a treasure. Yeah. With you, and like it is, especially like I don't know. Like you, like you kind of relaxed. I don't know. Like you touched that moment again, mm. and it began radiating. From you. Just remember that that was a precious gift, that time with your grandmother, so precious. And it's in you, that treasure is in you. And all you need to do is touch it. And then it radiates forth and invites others. Beautiful. All right, so I'm going to read out Aurora's, if that's okay, Aurora, because then we can be like sharp on that. I don't know if you, I can't see it at the moment, but Aurora's posted here, Charles. What do you think we should introduce as a new addition in school curriculum? for children up to 14 years old to help them create a better future. It's not about what to add to the curriculum. Um, the change in education has to go way deeper than that. Mm. Uh, that's putting old wine in a new skin to, to pipe some new content into the old structure of school, the pedagogy. Um, we need to question like, like, should there even be something called a curriculum that is formulated on the outside and not developed in relationship to actual unique students? Like, should we even have that? And, uh, and if so, to what extent? I think certainly a lot less than now and maybe none at all. Like maybe curriculum should grow from the, the, knowledge of the teacher in relation to that student and should be totally individual or culturally specific. Um, another question is, should this learning happen in school, i.e. a place where children are segregated from the rest of society? Um, so there, these are the deeper questions, like two of the deeper questions that we need to ask um, rather simply than what is the content that we feed into the educational machine. And I'm, I'm sure that, that Aurora wasn't like, I, I don't mean to like, you know, um, I'm not saying that, yeah, I, I hope I'm not being, I'm not, I hope I'm not offending you because underneath your question is actually a recognition of what I'm saying, that, mm -hmm. the, that the kind of education we have now is preparing and programming young people to continue uh, in the old ways, um, to continue to maintain the, the world-destroying, human-exploiting machine. And, and I'm just saying, like, 
so yeah, like that beautiful impulse um, to let that open up everything to question. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm just trying to see what's the next small step or what's the next way to introduce different ways of learning for children and more more life based actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> yeah. Can I? Can I? Maybe just throw something in there, Charles. That I heard you say recently. Um, I can't remember if it was with Russell Brown, but anyway, it was this that this this idea. Of like, imagine oh, you was talking. No, it was something else. You was talking about your children coming out of um, graduation and high school, and like this kind of like imagine a curriculum as we move forward, where you know you have these like almost project based where you send them to like, you know, they go do permaculture for a while or they go do something else. And we have this like broad spectrum of an embodied uh, curriculum. Do you remember touching on that slightly? You probably don't. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. It was in the flow. But it was just this idea of like, what would yeah, what would it look like if we had like a broader, uh, a broader education base and not just, you know, the current ones that we see. But anyway, yeah, I mean, higher education in particular, but even secondary education to a large extent, it's geared around producing scholars. Uh, and it used to be fine. Like it used to be only 3% of the people went to college, you know, went to university. So that's a good number of scholars for a society. We don't need like a third or a half of the population being scholars. It's impossible. They're not, they're not geared for that. People don't have those particular gifts. They have other gifts that the current educational system doesn't value, but that are really important today. Like, like, you know, what about the gift to make plants grow? What about the gift to perceive human energy fields? What about the gift of emotional intelligence? Right. Does our educational system nourish those? Right. Cultivate those? No. And that's what we really need today. So, so yeah. I think, you know, most people should not go to school as, I mean, yeah, you should learn to read and write and stuff, but uh, the rest of it, like, I mean, how many people on this call remember the formula for sine alpha plus beta? <laughs> well, ask me, I remember nothing from school. Right, there you are. <laughs> Wasn't important, was it? No, but you know what you said? You said something as well, I'm just gonna throw in here, Aurora, and just, I, I hope this is relevant for what you was asking, but you said actually, it seems like the, the kind of the most intelligent ones right now are opting out of school, whereas it used to be right. that they were going into school. <laughs> I like that. Let's move on. We're going to bring uh, Isabel. All right. Hello. Hello, Simon. Hello, Hello Charles. Well, uh, my question revolves around. So my life's project is called Corazón de Terra. It doesn't exist in like on the physical realm yet. And I just want to know because you discussed earlier how at the at this time we are there's much you know problems with mental health and i found myself oftentimes being caught back in that spiral and but at the same time with the certainty that that project is already alive somewhere it just hasn't manifested um, physically you know what i mean mm -hmm. and i just want to hear from you how to regain the confidence and uh, just uh, the certainty and the inverted commas. I mean, there's nothing certain, but do you know what I mean, Charles? Yes. Thank yeah. you. So what, what, I'm, what I'm just getting here is 
that, and I could be totally off base, but that, that you have a, a strong inner critic and at the same time, an inner cheerleader and that your inner cheerleader needs help, needs other people to echo it and to believe in you and to believe in the vision that you have and that you do not need to rely solely on your own strength to hold the vision. Yeah, and just to uh, send a little bit of love to that, to the inner critic who's afraid and who might seek out others to that echo its voice. Um, and that you don't need to keep doing that. You can make some boundaries with people who reinforce any feeling of futility, any feeling that you're irresponsible and impractical and a dreamer or something like that. Whatever attracts you to those people and whatever makes you open to listening to them and hearing them or even just being affected by them, even if you consciously reject it, like that part that gets in and it hurts. Um, it's about making some boundaries and gravitating towards those who are allies of your, of the part of you that, that uh, knows that your dream is possible and important. That's just what I'm, what I'm getting right now. I don't know if it's relevant to you, but. Yes. Thank you, Charles. I'm just happy to speak to you. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming on. Any other question? Charles, we have one more question and then a little wrap up. How does that feel? Sure. Sounds good. Yeah. Okay. So essence question, I guess uh, what I'm wondering right now is just listening to the act of service and sharing gifts. I'm finding in my life that externally there's a lot of, Hey, come here, share your gifts here. Hey. And there's a lot of like external pulling. And I feel like sometimes maybe that's kind of pulling a bit of a mask over me listening to where I want to show up and share those gifts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, so I'm yeah. kind of caught yeah. in that. Yeah. Yeah. I have that too. You know, I have like these uh, patterns of approval seeking, people pleasing, permission seeking. So when, when I get pulled like that, like that, that, part of me that that you know childhood that childish part of me says okay this one's okay because so and so said it's okay because so and so is inviting me to do it because it's all you know it's it's already a thing and as like you're saying i that can obscure uh, my inner voice where and and draw me away from really trusting my feelings about it so I, I, I don't have an answer for you except just like, like, yeah, that happens to me too. And what I've done about it is to um, slow down. Mm -hmm. And honestly, like, what do I actually feel about this? What do I wish I felt? What am I trying to make myself feel so that I can please this person 
like trying to control my life through controlling my feelings. It's supposed to be the other way around, you know? I mean, you're not supposed to, like you're supposed to trust your feelings and make your decisions based on that. Not here's my decision. So like, let me find some way to make myself feel okay about it. And, and, and so that's a, a, a deprogramming and unlearning that I've been going through. And maybe, maybe it's helpful for you to know that you're not the only one. Yeah, thanks so much uh, for speaking to that. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, received and clear. Uh, grateful to be here. Nice yeah. to meet you. And thanks, Simon, for holding the space. And beautiful to see everyone. Yeah, likewise, yeah. brother. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay, Kirsten, you want to pop in? Last one? Yes, thank you so much. Um, a lot of things happening <laughs> for me in this call. I'm uh, grateful to meet you as well. And of course, Simon as well to be here. And all the questions, I think it's for me, it's everything that's uh, touched is something that I'm dealing with right now about um, having goals that I can see but not touch yet. Um, trying to go within and feel stuff happening and feel wisdom coming and then I want to share it and I uh, touch on the wall of all the stimulation and I get uh, yeah, sort of bounced off of my own self and then I get distracted again. Um, the social media stuff I don't want to go away from but I think I need because that's where I need to share. Um, yeah, <laughs> little things happening. Um, and for me, the the I want to be in that inner stillness and, and there's the wisdom, but then that's also my mission to share. And then that's where I, I get lost because how can you be in that stillness and receive and, and, and trust in yourself and then get out there and for me and then trying to share it and get uh, um, distracted again and, and, and get into the fear again and not lose that space in myself. So does that make it sense for you guys here, <laughs> what I'm asking or what I'm touching on? How does it work for you and how do you deal with that? Basically, I think that's the question. Mm. Yeah. I try to recognize my limitations, uh, like recognize how much can I actually be out there in, in the world, in the social media, in reading the news um, without losing my center. And to, to, to like be okay with maybe needing a lot more of silence and nourishment and nature and then 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 my uh, programmed mind of do more do it faster there's no time to lose like that hurry uh it's like you can't just sit around and do nothing like that that whole attitude um like yeah maybe for me it's like being realistic I have to draw from a well in order to share the water. And if I wander too far from the well for too long, my water sack is empty and I'm pouring out emptiness uh, into people's cup and everyone, and I'm pretending that I'm pouring water and they're pretending to receive it, but there's nothing there mm -hmm. unless I'm really connected to the wellspring. So if you need a mm -hmm. lot of that, and you can only go out there for an hour a day or half an hour a day or one conversation for a while, that's okay. 
thank you. <laughs> yeah. That's what's happening for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not having that space and, and, and wanting to have that space, but yeah. And that deprogramming around that and the guilt about around that. And yeah, thank you yeah. for that answer. Yeah. Thank you for being here and showing up. Thank you so much. Wow. That reminds me, Charles, of I know I don't do promotion and everybody knows that I love you and this is our little community space. But this book here that I currently uh, recommend to everybody, The More Beautiful World Our Hearts Know Is Possible, there's a chapter in here called Morpho Morphogenesis. Um, and it's, I mean, kind of like what it does for me in there, we won't, we won't talk about it today. I, I do some other stuff in the, in the community around this. But, you know, these small acts that we do, these little, these little uh, conscious decisions as Charles talk, is talking to today, as we're talking to, um, they really have an impact on the whole. Sometimes we want to change the whole, you know, it's too difficult to change the whole, but it's very achievable to change the little surroundings of ourselves and our home and our outer space, a close knit community. That's where we can really make a change. And we might think nobody sees that. It's not as Charles says in the book, you know, you have a hundred thousand Instagram followers and you don't, nobody's giving you a big, you know, Congratulations, but you're doing it because it's sincere and that impacts the whole. So I don't, I don't know if you want to say anything to that, Charles, but that's just popped up as we were speaking. So thank you so much. Yeah, anything done with sincerity is a prayer that tugs at the world and brings it into alignment with that sincerity. It has effects that ripple out in ways that we can't see, you know, and I can't, I don't have I mean, you probably have evidence of this in your lives, but I know there's a part of me that doesn't need evidence because it knows that that's true, that every act is significant. Beautiful. Charles, what a pleasure. Talk to you. Yeah, always. I love hanging out with you. Um, and thank you for your contributions and thank you for being here today. Okay, thanks, Simon. Good to be here. Thank you for listening to another episode of Simon Transparently. This podcast is a call to action, a call into sovereignty, a call to speak our truth and love ourselves fiercely, and for us all to rise up together as love. If you are resonating with my offerings, you can support me by becoming a patron, for which I would be deeply grateful. And you can access more of my content at simontransparently.com. You can also join our online community at thebelovetribe.com. This is where we get to be a little bit more intimate, share our gifts and practice what it means to be love. This is our time to rise.